0: Hello and welcome to Match Day FM. It's
1: Morgan and it's deflected in out
2: of absolutely nothing. There's an Aston Lee. Dixie to Hardy, Hardy
0: in behind, Hardy past the goalkeeper, Hardy into the goal, 2-1 Files. Chance for Colin Day, he's everywhere again, the other shot and it's in. It's a as for Colin Day, it's been coming. But a gap and he goes through it and Ackroyd gets the first try of the game for Siddle
3: Dan Bradley on his debut scores, his first goal for Files. They've got it with Smith,
0: they've got it with Smith, they've got a score with Smith. Unbelievable! Great chance, they've won it, Ashton have won it. Hello and welcome to the latest Matchday FM podcast. I'm Chris Stotts and I'm joined by Chris Coughlin, Harry Reynolds and Tom Whitehead to look ahead to what promises to be a dramatic final day of the Premier League season. Three teams have a chance of finishing in the top four, but only two will make it. Three teams had the chance to survive the drop, but only one will do so. It's going to be quite the afternoon on Sunday for everyone involved. And guys, in terms of an end for a Premier League season, obviously the title is, um, is sorted. But in terms of... Top four in the relegation battle. That's what we want for it to go down to the last day, isn't it, Chris?
1: Yeah, I mean, in terms of the final day, it's arguably the best final day we've had for a decade or so, isn't it? And with the amount of teams going for respective targets, I mean, we could have had four teams going for the Champions League places. We've only got three now with Chelsea, Leicester, Manchester United. Um, But there's there's just so much more to play for with relegation as well in the Europa League. It,
0: It is... Said to be a a really fascinating day, and Tom, you'll be happy with the fact Liverpool ran away with it with the title. But everything else has been close pretty much all
3: season. Yeah, it's uh, apart from the actual prize itself, it's been one of the um, the tightest Premier League from basically uh, third all the way down to the bottom, and throughout it's been swapping and changing all over the place throughout well it should have been 10 months obviously it's dragged on a bit longer than that for the obvious reasons but it has yeah it's been changing a lot and to get a final day of the European places in such a tight position and the relegation in such tight position both of those in such um in such a very peculiar position it's um it's quite a rare thing and I imagine millions will be tuning in on um Sunday to see how both unfold really in a in typical um, last day fashion across all the grounds.
0: And Harry a lot of teams have had seasons where they've been potential relegation to being on the fringes of of the Europa League and you know people talking about that and then some have just ended up mid-table obscurity and to be fair I might have just you know given an example of Everton's season really. I cannot believe you spit me out
2: there unbelievable. <laughs>
0: <laughs> had to be done but th- th- that's been the sort of season it- it's it been you know a lot of teams have gone from one to the other haven't
2: they yeah it has been a weird one I mean uh, to be fair obviously Liverpool have been Liverpool and looking back on it we've got I think Leicester were second for a fair chunk of the season they're now scrapping to get into the Champions League obviously Arsenal have been here there and everywhere Man United the same Man United looked out of it for uh, a lot of it and then went on obviously a ridiculous run sort of post lockdown but In a way, it has been a a very exciting season and there's not going to be a lot of points separating the teams just outside the top six or seven, so the teams just outside the bottom three, four. So, uh, in that regard, there's been a lot to play for and and it is good that there are still some some things to be decided going into the last weekend of the season.
0: And starting with the top four then, um, it's worked out quite nicely, hasn't it, the Third, fourth, fifth, and sixth are all coming up against each other, vying for. Obviously, there's only wolves who, who can't actually make the top four, and they have got a battle on their hands to make sure they get that final, uh, that guaranteed Europa League spot of of sixth. Just to talk you through the permutations, and um, which I trolled the internet for to try and double check, it could be anything really. It's, it's that crazy, but the basics are for the top four. In terms of Man United, they're guaranteed to qualify if they draw or win. A defeat needs help from Wolves, who would have to beat Chelsea. For Chelsea, a point secures the Champions League. A defeat and a draw in the other game between Leicester and Man United would see Chelsea miss out. In terms of Leicester, they know a win over Manchester United would we'll see them go above Manchester United into the top four. A draw and a Chelsea defeat also does it. The bottom line for them is that they cannot lose to Manchester United in that game. We might as well start with Leicester because they were the ones who, I Harry mentioned, looked for much of the season, didn't it? That they were going to be the one that cracked the top four for the first time since they famously won the league. Um, but it's been quite a slump they've been on. The big question is ultimately, Harry, what has gone wrong with Leicester to mean that they are actually now? The one chasing to try and get in the top four.
2: Well, I think they've had a bit of bad luck with injuries to be fair. I mean, they've missed they've been missing Ben Chilwell well for a while. Obviously Ricardo Pereira got injured as well and then so Charla I Suppose that's not really bad luck in just terms of horrible temperament that he got sent off in the way he did it born Bournemouth, but they've had that to deal with. And then obviously there's a lot of pressure on them, having been where they, they have been all season, to actually end up what well, it looks like, they they may well miss out. Uh, there's that too, but yeah, I suppose they're one of the teams that have been affected by a lack of a crowd. Obviously, they've had games at home where you think a full crowd at the King Power is a totally different scenario to what they've had and, and they, they conceded a freak last-minute goal at Warwick as well, which was the first game back after lockdown and things would have been so different from there and momentum is so important. But uh, to be fair, they've improved massively on, on where they were when Brendan Rodgers took over last year and to actually be in this position, There's still... On the face of it, some achievement. Obviously, that's different when you look at they've been second and third. And and at one point, they were being talked about as actual challenges to Man City's position in the table. So, overall, they'll they'll be disappointed. But I think if you'd given any Leicester fan at the start of the season, the chance to win a home game and and qualify for the Champions League, they'd have snapped your hand off.
1: I think one of the strangest things was when you look at when they beat Southampton 9-0, since then, Southampton have taken more points than Leicester, and it's, oh, that, even that in itself is just kind of a summary of Leicester's almost two half-seasons, if you like. Another thing for me, when you look at the results, I think H make, you know, correctly makes a point about no crowds. Again, when you look at, say, the game against Brighton, for example, after lockdown, which was an absolutely awful game, and that's where you're begging for the crowd to just push you over the line in those kind of circumstances. When you look back to when crowds were allowed in, Leicester have had some really poor results to, you know, admittedly to go along with the injuries, but nevertheless, they took one point from six against Norwich. If they'd, take, if they'd won one of those two games against Norwich, they would be in a far better position than they are well, right now. Well, I would now. say to you,
2: Coffin, the only good team drop points against Norwich. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Certainly. But that, for me, is just kind of an encapsulation of what, what's gone wrong with Leicester. because They went on an amazing run just before around Christmas time when then when they lost to Manchester City, dropped those points against Norwich and then lost to Liverpool. And they've just never really recovered from that. Even when you look pre-lockdown when they beat Villa 4-0, they'd gone on a I think four-game winless streak before then. So the inconsistency really has struck them in the second half of the season.
0: And Tom, touching on the points that Harry and Chris have men- mentioned there, when you bring everything... Together, would it still be? Well, firstly, how great an achievement would it be for Leicester to get in the Champions League again? But at the same time, if they get in the Europa League, that is, is, is still a good achievement, but it'll be tinged with a bit of disappointment having missed out from such a great position.
3: Yeah, it's, it's one of those where I think context surely um, is a factor in how they would view it. At the start of the season, I think, I think if you're offering them any European football, they've happily taken it. Obviously, this Position of strength they've held for such a vast wave of the season, and then to suddenly start surrendering it that sort of makes it very disappointing. But I think getting a European place for them it's got to be as a success from perspective of the whole season. But obviously, the context of it, if they don't get the champions, League, you can imagine there'll be disappointment purely um, from the you could see it's a capitulation. Really, I don't think you can see it as anything else from where they were after, uh, going back into these um, post lockdown games.
1: When you look at it, I know we're saying that like you said then it would still be viewed as a good achievement. Coming back from the restart, they had an eight point lead over United. And now United right. are going to the final day ahead of them. That's
3: that's why it's should really, only be seen as a capitulation, really, if you're really looking at it through the harsh scope, as it were.
0: Yeah, I think if it's anybody but Leicester, if you know what I mean? like if it, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. If Man United had been in that position and dropped to, to where Leicester are now, then I think people would be pointing the finger wouldn't they but I think with the fact it's, it's Leicester and you know they were probably expected to have a decent season but not make the top four weren't they and touching on that Brendan Rodgers first full season in charge I think do you think it, it, it's it been a positive season in most most respects then for, for him and what he can achieve then with Leicester because this will be a good step along a, a good journey for them
1: yeah positive enough um, well, we, we know Brendan Rodgers likes to play Open, expansive football um, certainly with Liverpool when you know, they could have won the title in 2014, but almost the open style is what let them down in the end. You know they conceded the 50 goals, and if you concede 50 goals, you, you'll do well to win a league title. Put it that way. Um, of course, was think he was expected to win everything and, and did so. Um, very different battle at Leicester, and it's very tough to say. Would it be a success or not if they don't finish in the Champions League after the comfortable uh, cushion that they had? But I think you you can see progress. Um, He's given the likes of Harvey Barnes a fantastic opportunity and he went on a a really hot streak uh, just before lockdown and after playing in the Championship last season. He did did, did so well in that regard. He likes to bring the youth through. um, When you look at, say, even Thomas, the the left wing back, Mm -hmm. who he's had, had to bring in, let's face it. To cope with the injuries to to Fuchs and to Chilwell. I have to say when when I looked at Leicester in the last few games when they played a wing back, he can't play three at the back against Manchester United. He just can't. They will get ripped apart. They got ripped apart against Tottenham on the counter attack playing that system, and I think they'll get ripped apart against United if they go three at the back. I really do.
0: Yes, so it'll be interesting how he approaches that one. Might as well uh, carry on onto their opponents, Manchester United. And um, when you look at the form table up until what? Well, Started last week. If the season would have started when lockdown began, United would have been top based on form. They've been were brilliant um, since the resumption. But last few games they've been back to their old selves in in many ways. Second half against Southampton started a bit of a decline into two really flat performances against Chelsea and West Ham goalkeeper mistakes aside. For them now, they've really got to hit the form, Harry Ever- that we saw a couple of weeks ago when they scored five against Bournemouth and we're looking like this would score every time they, they go forward against most teams. That's the sort of performance they need to put in against Leicester, isn't it?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the thing for me, and I think we can all agree, that semi-final team against Chelsea was just a shocker. The old saying, is a pain, broke, don't fix it. And Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer tried to fix where there wasn't a problem and they got slapped that day. And then West Ham was just flat from minute one to minute nineteen when you've got a front sort of four like they have they will get you out of jail a lot of the time and Mason Green Mason Green but is a complete natural goal scorer and he did just that but the rest of the game I struggled to think of Lucas Fabianski having to make a real save there maybe a couple in the first 10 minutes but they were they were straightforward saves uh, I would say they benefited from a pretty helpful schedule they obviously played Spurs away and and they were pretty poor that day as well and got out of jail late late on with a penalty so I think he's got a few questions to answer. Are they going to tell the show in terms of winning the bigger away games before the last two performances? I would have said maybe you know, I would have been odd on to win this game, and with what we've seen since, I I would certainly not be taking odd on about them. They've still got questions to answer, and when you've got a front four like they have, they're they're always capable of scoring goals. We've seen, but I do worry for them at the back, and and the issue is now when when you do disrupt that sort of harmony, which is what they had, and they were, I think. I don't think anyone could argue, but when I say they, they were the form team in the country, to so where they are now, and it, and it's only, what, a few days on from that semi-final, but so much has changed so quickly. I'm not sure, sure necessarily they can suck up a performance that they might need to win this game, considering Leicester will really have their tails up.
1: I a to double-check. That United team in the semi-final thought it was some sort of, like, joke account.
2: <laughs> it was so bad, wasn't it? And yeah. I understand, I do understand that, obviously... I understand the way that he had his team through throughout the competition, which I don't agree with, and that you have a cup team and, and a league team. I think that, you know, they're all professionals they should be able to play. But at the same time, he brought the Hayer in. He hadn't played in the FA Cup all season. He had yeah. his cup keeper in Sergio Romero. So why is he leaving out the rest of them? Like, Fair enough, if he wanted to save players to make sure they get top four, but you don't get a top four trophy. If, if he was yeah. to fail for the rest of the time at United, if they win the FA Cup, and, and that's it right as well, they were more than fancy their chances if they went on to play Arsenal. He's got nothing to show for it now. And I just thought it was so poor to disrupt the momentum like that. And, and they may well end up paying for it.
0: And touching on that point you just made, I've got it in my notes here. Given the situation now, obviously they had to claw back a, quite a, a deficit. They did so brilliantly. Now it's in their hands. They've sort of gone out of form when it mattered. Tom, will there be questions asked of Man United now if they don't see this job through, especially after the semi-final FA Cup debacle? If they don't make the top four now and then don't go and win the Europa League, questions will will ultimately be asked, won't they?
3: Yeah, sure. absolutely. If they don't end up with um, Champions League football by whichever method, then yeah, questions must be asked, surely, because this as of uh, this weekend, that's a position where Manchester United should should get in doesn't matter about what's been and gone before if you're in that position where is it win or a draw would yeah, get them that, in the Champions League yeah, basic, or draw, isn't it? Yeah,
0: yeah basically a positive result for Man yeah. United does it yeah basically just
3: avoiding defeat the three and if that doesn't happen and then if they don't kick on into the Europa League as well which they are one of the favourites for without a doubt and they have the quality to win most certainly then yeah questions have to be asked because they've, they've got such a great team of team of players but it's ultimately it's down to it's down to really the management of Solskjaer I mean, he has been praised enough but I get this sort of feeling that in the big games where it, the best the way it really matters trying to, without, without sounding cliche you need is he, is he going to be the man to get them through that whether that be semi-finals or cups or last days like this That, that that's the real test of his management I think and I think that's what United fans will be feeling too
0: and, and Chris we'll, we'll learn a lot about United won't we from this game because this is the cup final that isn't a cup final, you know what I mean? It, it, you don't win a trophy, but it is—it's do or die.
1: Yeah, I, I think we've seen signs of fragility from United in recent weeks. Of course, Hage mentions the semi-final, but even something like in the West Ham game, the little fracas between Fernandez and Noble. Now, I'll be honest with you. I think I think United are very lucky to have Fernandez oh, available. I, I, I will. Lucky.
0: I will go on record now and say, as soon as I have seen it, even as United fan, I said. That's a red card. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Anybody else? I think it's. That's probably one of those where you could say United got away with one.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Because if he, if he wasn't available for the game on Sunday, then my view of it would be very different, very different. Because he has dragged Manchester United kicking and screaming into this position over the last month or so. He's been, he's been a phenomenon. But even signs like that, where. He has been cool, calm, and collected since joining Manchester United. Little moments like that just show the pressure is getting to them a little bit. And even things like, you know, say Paul Pogba, I, I will defend Paul Pogba because I do believe in his quality. But just moments like when he gave away the
2: penalty, just I thought you were going to defend him for run, that for that handball. Then I mean, it's, <laughs> what <laughs> I was
0: saying, it's
2: it, it, no, shocking. I am not
1: defending that.
0: <laughs> not a goalkeeper than De Gea. <laughs> yeah,
1: no. the Hay would
0: not have got anywhere near that <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: I can't argue with that um, they do need the, the big men to step up we know you, know you could pretty much predict Manchester United's team going into the game against Leicester I think Leicester might be a tad more unpredictable but the fact of the matter is United know what they need to do and if they can't avoid defeat they don't deserve to be in the top four
3: Now, if you're enjoying this, then why not check out our blog? You can find it on our website. Just search for Matchday FM.
0: So, big game between Leicester and Man United. Another big game between Chelsea and Wolves. Chelsea's season, in many ways, typified by the game against Liverpool. Showed they can attack, but shows they're not the best at the back as well. And Harry... The game against Wolves, it's a tough one. Wolves have had a, a great season, got so many qualities about them, haven't they? And Chelsea, many expect them to get into the Champions League because they do it most seasons. Obviously, they're in and out a couple of times. But with the expectation at that club, uh, they're another one who really, if they don't make the top four, it's a bad season for them.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, normally I would agree with that. But in, in the context of this season, obviously, Frank Lampard hasn't signed anyone. So, where he's got them really, I think he's done an amazing job when you look at their defense as well. The, the weird thing that I don't get is obviously now the transfer ban is gone and uh, they've signed Werner and maybe more. They obviously think they're Kai Havertz pretty strongly. I haven't necessarily seen them link to anyone uh, with regards to their defense as much, which I find bonkers to be honest because their defense is, is a shambles and you can't go on outscoring teams all season. Obviously, fair play to the amazing score three against Liverpool, but then what's the point of scoring three against them if you're going to ship five? It just doesn't it doesn't work. Uh, they've got so many problems at the back. Uh, they just look vulnerable in most in, in most games and teams have found it very easy to score against them. So uh, I wouldn't necess- necessarily say the season has been a failure for Chelsea if they don't make the Champions League. Obviously, it would be very disappointing from the, the position they were in. But at the same time, and like I said about Leicester, there was no expectation on Frank Lampard at the start of the season. If he was to get them into the Champions League, it would be a brilliant achievement. But again, I think if you'd offered most Chelsea fans at the start of the season, just Europa League, with where they were, transfer ban, all that stuff, I think they would have taken it. But again, context is everything, where they were, it would be very disappointing not to qualify, but their record at home has been pretty good. And yeah, Wolves is a tricky one. You never sort of really know what you're going to get. But I, I think Chelsea will be Plenty in their chances at home to most teams. Obviously, they coach pretty well against Man City. So, yeah, I, I I'm really looking forward to that game. To be honest, I think it'll be a really good matchup. Chris, um,
0: Harry mentioned all the names that are coming in to to the club. How important then is it that there is Champions League football for those huge names uh, to be playing next season?
1: Well, I mean, we've already seen what Hakim Ziyech done with, with Ajax, what Timo Werner is capable of with Leipzig. If they get Kai Havertz, what a signing that is. But then it's all fitting them into the same team with the players they already have. It, it'd be a very top-heavy side. I would describe Chelsea's defending at times this season comical. You look at, for example, especially say the, the third goal uh, against Liverpool was just an absolute shambles in terms of defending from set pieces. For me the biggest issue with Chelsea this season again you talk about look you talk about injuries. This has by far away been Ngolo Kanté's most disrupted campaign. When you look at Leicester and Chelsea he is one of the best defensive mids in the world and to not have him for large spells it is going to be a blow defensively. Me and Tommy, we were, in the, we were in Istanbul for the Super Cup uh, way back in August and Kante absolutely ran the yeah. show that night. Well, that's exactly the words
3: the I was going to use. Ran yeah. the show was literally the three words I was thinking yeah. in my head when you were talking about that.
1: He was absolutely outstanding that night and to not have that influence at parts during the season because as I say, I've never known Kante to have this many injuries and that is a factor. Um, but going forward, look, you've got... Kulisic, who is out of this world right now. Giroud, who's a goalscorer. Willian, constant threat. We don't know what's going to happen with him uh, going forward. But to fit all these names in, it is going to be very, very important that the Chelsea do finish in the top four for my money. And I fully agree that t- start of the season, I I didn't put them near my top four. I thought it was going to be very tough for Lampard. But he has done very, very well with the, the side at his disposal. Admittedly, it wasn't a bad one anyway, but not being able to sign players is always going to be a blow.
0: We've touched on it already, the semi-final against, against Man United. They've got that big game experience um, in, in recent memory. Do you think that stands them in good stead for this? You know, especially, you know, an Olivier Giroud sort of player. This is sort of game where he always steps up.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um I think they'll get into their heads that they don't want to be complacent in any way because I know it's a, good, a very good position they're in, but with the way United have been recently, um, with the with this little drop in form that started to occur right at the very end here, they think to themselves that Leicester could potentially get results, so they can't rely or think that it's all them just did in that other game as well. They've got to think that, that uh, Leicester could still do something and that could put a spar in the work, so they've got to make sure they do their bit. Because if they have any assumption that United will just turn up and get the job done easily, that's also that would be catastrophic thinking, I believe. And they have to go into it thinking that Leicester have a very good chance of getting something. Because if they don't and get and relax and think, oh, doesn't matter anyway, because you know it will be Leicester, then that could really, really end up being bad for them.
1: I think and, he needs to decide on his system as well, though, because we are we are thirty-seven games into the Premier League season with one to go and. I kind of feel even now Lampard doesn't really know what his best system is. I don't really, I, I, I'm not entirely sure what system he'll go with on Sunday. And again, he's a very young manager, still learning the game. I think he could be a really, really top manager in years to come. But he's played five of the back, well, three at the back with two wing backs against Liverpool. He revert to that system of late. Um, Yes, it worked against United, didn't work against Liverpool. As I say, I just couldn't tell you what kind of system
0: he's going to play against Wolves. So that is the second of the big games then for the the top four. Quickly then, guys, predictions for the games. I'll start with you, Harry. We'll start on on Leicester against Man United. Who wins
2: that one? Uh, No one wins. I'm going to say I think it'll be a draw. I don't think there's a, a sort of standout... Team among them, are, I think they're pretty evenly matched and more than theirs and sort of stuff that go into it. I just, I just see them cancelling each other out. I might as well follow up with you and then into the fact that obviously the result
0: of the Chelsea Wolves game has a massive impact if it is a draw. So do you feel as Chelsea will get the job done or will that draw be enough for both Leicester and Man United?
2: Uh, no, I, I don't see Chelsea losing to be fair. Um, Although Wolves have obviously got their own sort of stuff to play for. I, again, I see two evenly matched teams at Stamford Bridge and uh, I see that being a draw as well. We might as well go
0: the same format, but we'll go with you now, Tom. Start off with the Leicester against Man United.
3: I'll go draw on that as well. I think it'll be a very uh, nervy, touchy game. Both, both sides know what's at stake here. I mean, God about even my words here, but I don't think there'll be any goals. A really kg affair for the context behind it. Um, yeah, and like Harry said, evenly matched on the day. I will sort of say sort of save the breath and set the top of the next prediction. Um, I go with a Chelsea win. I think they know that they, they know that they cannot in their minds will be they cannot be expecting any any favours from at all from the other go they'll know they just have to go out and do the business because there is no other competition or any, any alternative method. Just go and get the win and do it. Simple as that. And you, Chris?
1: Well, I'm going to go for United win. I think Leicester, there's, there's the onus on Leicester to attack, and I think that will leave space at the back for, for Manchester United to exploit. Um, as for the results at Stamford Bridge, I'm going, to go, I'm going to go for a draw. I just feel it could be a few nerves, but ultimately I think
0: the draw will, will see Chelsea through. And for the record, I'll go for United and Chelsea wins on that one. You're listening to Matchday FM. It was and Mahout.
1: <laughs> we all laugh now. Was there any point when you were just like, please stop? I remember watching that match and I was thinking, when is this going to
3: end? I was meant to be going to see uh, an ex-girlfriend of mine and I just kept saying to me, like, you know, I'm just watching the end of this <laughs> match and then <laughs> 10 minutes later, you know, another Patience. text, where are you? Yeah, it still hasn't finished. <laughs> and to be honest, that's probably why she's an ex-girlfriend of mine. <laughs> I was going to say, blame, blame John Isner for that. I was Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, and Nicholas Mahoot. yeah, both of them. This is Matchday FM home of sporting banter and debate.
0: So at the bottom, it's just as tight as it is at the top. Villa sit just outside the drop zone with destiny in their hands. Bournemouth need a bit of help from everyone else and Watford's recent revival seems to have come to a bit of an end and it's in the end of yet another manager. So the permutations at the bottom are Villa are safe if they match Watford's results unless both Watford and Villa lose and Bournemouth win. Watford, they are safe if they better Villa's results or if Villa and Watford both win but Watford win by two or more goals than Aston Villa. Bournemouth have it all to do. They have to win and hope the other two lose to stay up. This could be interesting. Do you want to have, have a down
1: in <laughs> do a light <laughs> down room, mate?
0: <laughs> this is going to be mental. Oh. You could just see I mean, three or four twists or turns along yeah. the way, don't you? And we'll start with the one who's got the most to do, which is Bournemouth. I don't know about you guys, but I just get the feeling that it's just been one too many season for Bournemouth. It's a Mine a miracle if they're anywhere near the Premier League, let alone in it, you know, for the size of that club. Is it just one season too far, Chris?
1: Well, the, the time that they've had to solve their defensive problems in the Premier League, you get the feeling it's, kind of, it's almost their own fault at this stage. I know Eddie Howe has worked miracles at that club. As you say, for them to be in the Premier League for as long as they have since 2015, it's been... Absolutely incredible. They've played some really enjoyable football at times. You know, they've, they've beaten Liverpool a few years ago. They've beaten Manchester United several times. They've beaten Chelsea at Stamford Bridge I think twice in recent years. So they have had moments of utter jubilation, but this season has just been something different. They just haven't had that attack that they've been used to over the last few years. No, well, Ryan Fraser being nowhere near his best has been a big part. Of course, he was in the last year of his contract. Um, last year, I think only Eden Hazard got more assists than him. This year, he only he's only got four to his name, only one goal as well. Of course, has now left the club after the after his contract expired. Callum Wilson and Josh King's partnership it's been um, broken up quite a fair bit this season. And when you're spending money on someone like you know, Dominic Solanke with all due respect to him, who only got his first two goals for Bournemouth in the Premier League a couple of weeks ago, then if you don't score goals. You are going to find yourself with work to do. And defensively, as I say, it's not as if it's been one season of poor defending. They've been leaking goals ever since they've been in the Premier League. And it's one of them where it's a fantastic story, but I feel their time is running out.
0: They have had a lot of injuries as well, Tom, which hasn't helped them. And, you know, it's been a lot of the time, it's been top end of the pitch as well, where, you know, the goal scorers haven't been able to put it in because they haven't been on the pitch.
3: No, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's exactly that. There's this sort of solidity up front, really, which is um, there's used, to, used to, I say used to, because I'm not saying it, that used to provide a steady stream of goals, um, especially Callum Wilson. The of times he used to pull them out of situations that I thought to myself, they're not going to win this match, surely there's no chance. And then they'd pull a shock out, a shock out of the bag. They've, they've found those inspirational wins, because uh, I would like to call them so hard to come combine. The defence, like Chris said, just hasn't improved at all. And in fact, it's probably got worse.
0: And Harry, the take on Everton. Everton have been a bit hit and miss of late, haven't they? You know better than most. Some days they're terrible. Some days they can be, be good. A lot possibly depends on which Everton turns up, because if it's a bad Everton, you fancy Bournemouth could get a win here.
2: Well, they haven't seen the good days. Uh, the Sheffield United game was, was an improvement on what had been previously. Uh, I would suggest probably if Bournemouth could hand-pick an opponent for Sunday, this would be it. However, their record at Goodison is atrocious. They've lost every single season since they've been promoted. But uh, they, they will play obviously quite an open team and, and Everton, I would imagine won't try to, to do anything but win the game. Looking to go into next season with some momentum, so I think, that, albeit Bournemouth probably will go down. Uh, I I think it'd be hard to judge them too much on that. Like to, for Bournemouth to be in the Premier League for five seasons is incredible, and not. I think that all of us would have expected them to go down with a win for the first time they came up. Uh, the only thing I would say about Bournemouth is they they haven't really improved the club. Obviously, they haven't expanded the stadium. They're, they're where they are in that regard transfer policy has, has been abhorrent to be honest uh, a, a lot of money they've wasted and they have now got a lot of players on big wages going more than likely going down division and, and they might struggle from there so yeah it's obviously it's sad to see something like that when when there was a fair bit of potential when you've been in the in the Premier League for so long and they, ne- they never really kicked on but at the same time I, I think for Bournemouth to be in the Premier League for five years is astonishing really and Touch in on that, um, you know, when they
0: go down with all these big wages and the fact that you know the club is very similar to how it was when you look at it when they came up. Any of you can jump in on this, um, do you see Bournemouth being a club that can come back, or do you think you know this could be a, a case of we never see them again?
1: That is a very good question. <laughs> I think there was there was an article um, not that long ago saying that Bournemouth's financial situation actually is quite dependent on Premier League money. Um, because if you look at incomings in terms of revenue and that, they aren't a club that are going to generate a lot. And I think that could be a big, big factor. Especially when you look at the likes of Callum Wilson, relatively new contract, big wages for him. Do you think to yourself he's worth offloading just to free up some, some funds? Yeah, um,
2: they've got to get rid. There's got to be a mass exodus at Bournemouth. Uh, and you've got to bear in mind, Callum Wilson, he's had, what, two ACL injuries? He's yeah. on big money. They've got a lot of players. Well. Yeah, exa- well, absolutely. When he was written off as well, I, I think Eddie Howell will more than likely go. I see a lot of the players going. I see the squad getting ripped apart and if they somehow manage to come back up, then I think it'd be a minor miracle.
3: He got on Perota before, didn't he? So they try, trust him to try and get him straight, up, straight back yeah, up. Yeah, it's, a different, it's a different
2: sort of thing to get in there, yeah. isn't it? I mean, at that yeah. time, uh, they had the momentum from from previous promotions and, and they were obviously looking up whereas now they're looking down and uh, you know uh, realistically how, how can they afford to pay most of their squad to stay there say, and if it's they're it's... looking to go into financial ruin it's just it's just not feasible
1: and the yeah, one defender it's... that you could probably give credit to of last few years Nathan Ake of course he's majorly, majorly linked with Manchester City now so that's another well room, if he's that's, there next real... season
2: I would be astounded yeah, same. they've got yeah. to cash in they've just got to cash in and and, and sort of recruit what they can and then recruit lower Premier League to top championship players and and go from there. But as has been said, they're obviously not the sort of club that can bring in a lot of revenue and what they really should have done was expand the stadium and and they haven't and and now they are where they are.
3: I think next season is going to be a lot in terms of squad there's going to be a lot of stuff that's out of his hands and will he want to Keep on with that, knowing things that players will be departing and that the squad's integrity is probably going to keep going down and down. I can see him wanting probably to try and get a new challenge if that's the case. It's going to, it's going to be very tough.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of managers, Watford have had a few this year, haven't they? Nigel <laughs> Pearson, the latest to, to exit Vicarage Roads. And for me, I would not be disappointed to see Watford go based on that, the fact that They just chop managers left, right and centre. Some, yeah, you can look at and think, yeah, that was possibly the right call. Nigel Pearson's absolutely not the right call. He'd have kept them up. Going into this last game, if Nigel Pearson's in there, I think they could have gone to Arsenal and won. But given the fact that confidence has been ripped out, it's it's going to be so hard for, for a group of players who, week on week, don't know who's going to be in charge of their team. And that just must make it so hard, Chris.
1: There was something I read about Troy Deeney denying that there was a fight um, within the dressing room at half-time against West Ham. And the thing I took from that was that there was certainly no fight against Manchester City was there, <laughs> the other day. I mean, that. I mean, look, look, I'm not saying I expected Watford to get anything. Of course, I didn't. But there was a reaction in the second half against West Ham, although when you're 3-0 down, you might as well just go for it. The, the thing is with Watford, I've always kind of felt that there was, there was a result. In them that they could have got out of they, they could have got out of it. I still think they can get out of it. So for example, the three 0 against Liverpool, fantastic result and that the absolute highlight of Nigel Pearson's time in charge. That is the kind of desire, determination that they are going to need against Arsenal. And I really do feel a part of this could be down to Arsenal's attitude towards the game, the team that Arteta puts out, their attitude of the players. You've got an FA Cup final on the horizon. You don't want to get injured for that. All those kind of things could well play into Watford's hands, and I think that's just quite an intriguing factor, to be honest.
0: Harry, for you, is it a recipe for disaster? The the fact that they've changed the manager so late in the season, or could it
2: be an absolutely inspired move? I know it's a bit of a strange one. It's not something that I would have been doing myself. But when you look at the recent records, you'd have to say it's not that surprising. And and at any other point of the season, you'd be calling for him to get a sack. Their away, away record is horrendous. They've won two games uh, in the last nine. They've lost a lot of those as well. And and their biggest game of the season at West Ham, they just didn't turn up and got very well beaten. When when you look at it like that, you could probably say, yeah, maybe it's fair enough that they got rid of him. Again, it's not something that I'd necessarily pursue with two games to go. But there is that, and it, it might not turn out to be the maddest decision ever. I think you can put a line through the game against Man City. But in the grand scheme of things... I would probably say that it might be their best chance because that scrub was going, or those performances were stale. And, and when you look at their, their, their run any other time of the season, the manager is going to do very well to keep his job.
0: Like Chris sort of touched on as well, Arsenal could be a good team to play because they have it in them to just not turn up, don't they? And with half an hour in an FA Cup final, they're not getting injured sort of thing, nothing to play for in the league. Is there an opportunity then for Watford? You know, if, they, if they're on it, they could get something and they could do the job.
3: Yeah, that, that's true. But then, can you look at it, conversely, wouldn't it want to be in some good form going into a cup final?
0: I mean, seriously, yes, be, exactly.
3: <laughs> winning breeds winning. I mean, come on. If, if you go into a cup Arsenal, final, you want well, to win your game. Going... <laughs> yeah, well, that's the point. But it doesn't matter what football to it. If you've got a cup final, you want to be in form going into it, surely. I mean, yeah, there's a fear you don't want to get injured for it, but... It's football as it's part and parcel of the game. I mean, I want to, as a football player, I want to try and start and win every game, surely. That's just the simple yeah. logic of it. Well, those um, players have got to be competing to try and start the game as well when, when you look yeah. at Arsenal
2: and, and Yeah, exactly. In, exactly. How, many, how many of those would you say are guaranteed to start in that game? Uh, a probably Lacazette, but even then, and like. The and a goalkeeper, that's probably it. Game, so, yeah. yeah, well, exactly. So they, they, they've got to win this game and, and they've got to show Arteta. They've certainly got to bounce back from what they showed at Villa the other night. That's that's what I That Arsenal have it in
0: them, don't they? To just throw out these bizarre performances. I, I mean, they well, Let's face it. They were. They got the game plan against Man City absolutely spot on, didn't they? But it is. It's it is tends to be these t- these games that they're supposed to win.
1: The Villa game in midweek for me, it just kind of smelt like Villa wanted it more. Almost like you know, after the Lord Mayor show, all, the, all those kind of things. And Villa really did want it that day. I think a lot of it could be down to Watford's approach to the game. Dale Lefeu has been a massive miss for them recently. When you look at players like certainly Decoré, who I do I do like Adelaide like Decoré, but he just hasn't adapted to the role that he has played in. Just behind Deeney, and he started that role very well, but just he's flattered to deceive, and I think he's a very frustrating player at times because I do believe there's a player there. And for Watford, defensively, is going to be the issue. because <laughs> To put it into context, I know they won the game, but Norwich have only scored one goal since the lockdown and I was at Vicarage Road. <laughs> so um, that is going to be the issue for Watford, keeping Arsenal out. Because I think they can score, but it's keeping Arsenal out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And might as well move on to Villa since uh, we mentioned them that They're the ones in the driving seat um, after that win against Arsenal the go to West Ham which let's face it two weeks ago we'd have said Aston Villa West Ham was a nailed on shootout for who stays in the league credit to West Ham that win against Watford and the point against United has, has done the job for them so Villa that win against Arsenal that could be the result for them that really kicks them on onto this game and they know a win keeps them up Harry and that's got to give them confidence
2: Absolutely, but to be fair, I think it really started with the Crystal Palace game, and, and they were good then. They more than deserved to be Everton, but their knack of conceding their goals all, all season denied them then. and I completely agree with what Coughlin said, and only one team wanted to win that game not between Aston Villa and Arsenal, and it certainly wasn't Arsenal. So, brilliant for them to be in the position now where it is in their own hands. And West Ham are one of the teams that you fancy playing. They're obviously, they've got nothing to play for. They're, they might well be on the beach. They're, they've done their job. So, Villa would absolutely front themselves going into this game. But obviously, they haven't kept an away clean sheet all season. And, and you'd probably say that might not change in this game. So, they're going into this knowing they've probably got to score at least two goals to be able to stay up.
0: But well, they did get a, a clean sheet against Arsenal. They didn't even get many at home most of the season. So, that'll give them confidence, won't it, Tom, as, as well. And, and. Obviously, Jack Grealish, this is possibly likely to be his last game for them. A lot of talk about him moving on to bigger and better things. He would love to be the player that sticks in the top corner in the 90th minute to keep him up, wouldn't he?
3: Yeah, that's, he'd love to go out of a bang, that's for sure. Um, maybe feel like they could play with us, dare I say have more freedom because wasn't they have to match Watford's results. Stay up, yeah, and yeah. basically they for be-
0: Villa. Yeah, if, they, if they match Watford's result, the only way they would go down is if Watford... Have a better result or if both lose and Bournemouth win.
3: Yeah, it's the the, the problem I think it's a lot lots more stacked in their favour, really so I was I think it would just say to so give it a go, the rod's in your favour. Um sure, I mean Watford, you I mean, I wouldn't I don't give them much for Hogs against Arsenal, even we got I mean we know how Arsenal are, but I just yeah, I've I've, I've seen Villa more chance of getting something there than Watford do. That's got to be straightforward that way.
1: You mentioned Grealish said, "Did anyone see his interview after the game against Arsenal?" Someone asked yeah. him about, Someone asked him about whether it was his final game. He did not want to answer that
2: question. He seemed pretty coy, didn't he? he, he yeah. yeah. Well, I Swerve think the question was, was. I think the question was, was, will this be your last home game for us? of him yeah. and He said, "Then um, I don't know. I'm not thinking about that. I, I just want to keep this club up." So you, you'd think, wouldn't you, if he had much intent on on staying, he would say then. But again, at the same time, does he want to come out and destabilize the team? Absolutely not. So I'm not sure. There was that much to read into it, but at the same time, regardless of whether Villa stay up or go down, there are going to be vultures looking to to sign Jack Grealish because he's been phenomenal this season.
0: And finally on Aston Villa, if they do stay up, I think there'll be um, many thanks going to VAR and goal line technology, won't there? Because that goal gets given, Villa probably, well, they won't be in as good a position as they are now, and that one goal could change the context of those three side seasons as well so it'll be interesting to see if it is a case of that point gained at um, at home to Sheffield United it is the one that actually keeps them in the Premier League it's certainly going to be an interesting one so it's going to be very tight on the final day we'll get your predictions now guys uh, we'll do it in the same format as we did last time so First prediction on Arsenal against Watford. Second on Everton against Bournemouth. And then West Ham against Aston Villa. And we'll start again
2: with you, Harry. I see Arsenal winning. I think there's got to be a reaction to that performance against Villa in the week. And with a cup final on the horizon, a lot of those players are going to be playing for their places and they'll want to show that they are informed. And as I mentioned, Watford's away record is atrocious. Similarly, I see Everton beating Bournemouth just... If you look at the stats, Everton have been in Bournemouth at home every year they've been in the Premier League. So, uh, and again, as much as they might not necessarily have much to play for this season, some of those Everton players are going to be playing for their futures under Carlo Ancelotti, and Bournemouth just just can't seem to keep the ball out out the back of their net. And uh, I think between West Ham and Villa, uh, I'd see a draw. To be honest, I think Villa will just sort of play it play it by ear, and and they know they're in the driving seat. And and if other results go their way then there won't be that much pressure on them and again their away record isn't anything to rhyme about so I'll go for Arsenal Everton and then a draw between West Ham and Villa A draw which would keep Aston Villa up according to Harry
0: uh, What about you Tom?
3: Bournemouth, uh, Everton i go Everton win um, like Harry said, players playing for the futures um, yeah basically for those Harry, that's a very good case then I can't see anything other than that um, might not be a, a complete like demolition, but uh, no, Everton should win definitely. With Watford again, Arsenal definitely want to get their form going, go, uh, get their form going to into the cup final. Want a, a positive energy, so th- I think that I think mean, that will be about three three one perhaps four one, something quite convincing like that. Villa West Ham, I would I was thinking draw, but then again I say West Ham still, but good amount of form getting a draw at United as well um, so now i go West Ham win as well so they all lose the, the ones involved but that would still mean Villa stay up so. yeah
0: Villa would stay up on, on goal difference it would be a case of how many West Ham beat them by and, and, <laughs> and Watford losing at Arsenal that yeah. would get interesting because we, we, we've seen yeah. uh, with with uh, Swansea and Nottingham Forest in the Championship how goals can uh, swing like it and yeah. um, finally then for, for you Christian want to rattle through your predictions for them once
1: Indeed, I'll go for an Everton win against Bournemouth. I can see Everton hitting Bournemouth on the counter, absolutely. Uh, I said I can see Watford winning at Arsenal. My prediction does not reflect that. Uh, I've come for an Arsenal win. And I can see Aston Villa getting the point they need at the Olympic Stadium.
0: Well, I'm going to be radical and um, predict it's going to be a very dramatic day with all three of them winning, just to sort of, you know, make it a bit <laughs> interesting. Why <laughs> not? You get decent. And then Aston Villa scoring 92nd minute to have the goal that keeps them up or something like that, you know. We can hope that would be entertaining.
3: You're listening to the Matchday FM podcast. Why not let us know what you think? Get in touch by searching for Matchday FM on social media.
0: But of course, they're not the only games taking place. They're the ones with major significance the other one with a bit of significance on it is Crystal Palace Tottenham I will quickly have a word on that before predicting the rest of the games Spurs, they need a win to make sure they get sixth and need Chelsea to do them a favour against Wolves It's a, a lot of favours are being asked for on this final day as always <laughs> if Spurs don't manage to overtake Wolves they're reliant on the results of the FA Cup final they would need Arsenal not to win the cup for you know obvious reasons other than the fact that they don't particularly like Arsenal. It's a big game for Spurs, isn't it? You know They missed out comfortably on the Champions League. Crystal Palace, again, they're probably another team you'd quite like to play right now, aren't, aren't they, Chris? Do you, do you think Spurs will, will do their job? Oh, absolutely.
1: If, if I know H said about if Bournemouth could handpick a team, it would be Everton. If, for me, if Bournemouth could handpick a team, it'd be Crystal Palace right now. I know Palace beat Bournemouth after the restart, but this is a team that's lost seven in a row. Are utterly toothless. You saw Hodgson, you know, having a word with them. Let's say after the defeat against Wolves, and I think Spurs will see this through very comfortably. Harry Kane's back in it now. He, he looks quite refreshed. I mean, what a finish for his second one against Leicester. And to be honest with you, we've come to expect that from the guy with with his quality. I think that Spurs also want to win this because I don't think they'd like relying on either a Chelsea or an Arsenal win, to be honest with you. So I think they just want to win just to, to take that out of the equation. I, I, I can only see a Spurs win here just because I look at Palace, whether it's a case of being on the beach or not, I don't know, but they are completely devoid right now. And whilst it's the end of a season and it doesn't always reflect what happens at the beginning of next, I think Hodgson's got a bit of, a bit of work to do in the off-season, to be honest with you, to regroup this side. Because I think Palace are okay defensively when they need to be. But up top, they just, they just don't have the firepower.
3: Uh, do you concur with that, Tommy? Yeah, um, that's, I think, yeah, I can see Spurs running out as easy winners. Um, but the context this is going to be slightly controversial here. If they win but still don't get Europa League football, is that really a disaster? I mean, you think they want to kick on in the league next season, Spurs without any distractions. And surely you think... Idea, you to but
1: that's the have European football. But yeah, I get the there's point there's a you're difference saying difference between the Champions though,
3: League and Europa League. If I was be really... I'd, I'd want the cleanest shots of well, the league of possibly uh, having got like, back in the Champions yeah, League. You look look at
0: Leicester, don't you? When they won the title. Yeah. Sort of thing. Exactly. So. It's
3: a contra- controversial table. I, I, for them, I can see them winning, but is would they really see it as the greatest loss in the world without Europa League football? If you've been really, <laughs> really cynical about it, perhaps not. I, again... We all see that it can be a distract, distract, "quote distraction for some teams, and maybe Spurs might see it as a slight blessing in disguise in terms of their prospects for next season's league campaign.
1: You mean to say you don't miss the days of FCC on Ruben Kazan?
3: Surprisingly, no, Chris. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and finally, then, Harry, do you, do you see Spurs at least winning this game and, and putting the pressure on, on Wolves getting a result against Chelsea to make sure it's them and not Spurs in the. Um, in the
2: Europa League? Yeah, I think Spurs would be fair to good for Crystal Palace and Harry Kane's obviously hitting form. I'm, I'm still not necessarily sure what to make of Spurs under Jose Mourinho as a whole. I, I thought Arsenal were the better team when they played and obviously they managed to link that game. Uh, I would disagree with what Tommy said about the Europa League. I mean, Jose Mourinho will absolutely be licking his lips at a chance to win that trophy. And I'm not sure how many better teams... On paper, would be in that competition, none spares, particularly with, as I said, Harry Kane, Humley and Son, Delhi Alley. You know, they would have a very, very good chance of winning that. So, yeah, I do see Spurs winning this, and I see them leapfrogging Wolves on the table.
1: Bring on the documentary as well. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'll wait for that. Yeah.
0: Well, in terms of the other games, what I'll get you to do, guys, when I say the, the game, just give us sort of like a Quick sentence on, on each team and then give us your prediction. We'll go Harry, Tom and then Chris so we can rattle through them. Starting off with uh, Burnley against
2: Brighton, Harry. Uh, well, obviously Nick Pope's going for the Golden Glove, isn't he? And, and the players this week have spoken about their desire to win in that. And Brighton, uh, I see them very much on the beach so I, I think Burnley will win that one. Tom? Yeah, similar to
3: that. Uh, again, both teams home dry. Um, Burnley... In their usual fashion, I think we'll get the stodgy win, so to speak, and yeah, we we'll think 1 0, nil. 1 0 one nil or 2 0. No, that's that really. And Chris?
1: Yeah, Burnley to win, and it would be a very successful season for them.
0: Yeah, I think I'll go for another Burnley win. Good season for both in the context of it. Uh, now on to Manchester City Norwich. Again,
2: Harry? This could be X rated, couldn't it? Couldn't it? I mean, Guardiola <laughs> uh, is very, very vocal about some of these players, and, uh, and they've got a long way to go to catch Liverpool. Uh, I think a lot of these players have got a lot to prove, and Norwich, uh, Norwich, and I think this will be a demolition job for Man City. Tom, yeah, exactly
3: the same. Um, they could try and match the score from last season's Cup Final if they're feeling up for a City. Try and give them a small challenge there, um, but yeah, I can't see anything other than that really. And Coughlin.
1: Well, City only need three more goals to reach 100 and trust me, they are not going to stop once they reach that against Norwich. I can see, as H says, I can see it being an absolute demolition job and my main focus for that game is trying to predict that lineup to make some fancy team points back. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, De Bruyne and Sterling are both going for individual honours. De Bruyne wants their assist record. Sterling, I, I bet he quite fancy getting four or five against Norwich, which would get him the golden boot if Aubameyang and Vardy aren't on on form so I think City win that and yeah I think a cricket score could be on the cards there uh, we'll go Southampton Sheffield United next Harry oh
2: this is tough to be fair um, I think Sheffield United I have got to show some sort of bounce back ability to get that word in uh, from their last performances but then Southampton have, have been playing really really well and, and should have more points to show for, for the tally in recent weeks but I I think they're a lot better away from home. I will go for a draw in this one,
3: Tom. Yeah, um, so again, so you're right about Southampton, um, def- definitely have shown some improvements recently. Um, Sheffield United, they, they know they're, they're out the running for what they were hoping for, so might have just lost a bit of it in terms of the enthusiasm. But I will go for the draw. I think I still think that Southampton wants to show something there, and Chris.
1: But Danny Ings is obviously still in the fight for the Golden Boot. I think it literally would require a hat-trick for him to get it because he's behind on assists. But I think Southampton will go into the game attacking to, to try and get him that. So I, I think I think they'll edge it, Southampton.
0: Yeah, I think it's been a great recovery from Southampton after that 9-0 against Leicester early in the season. Sheffield United comfortably had the best promoted side we've seen for a long, long time. I could see that one being a draw to finish off for both of them. Finally, Newcastle against
2: Liverpool. Starting with you, Harriet. 10 nil Newcastle. <laughs> no, I, I mean, it, 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 <laughs> who, uh, who knows really? Uh, Newcastle on the beach, Liverpool uh, probably be very hungover by this point, I would imagine. Uh, from what I recall uh, in my youth, I mem- seem to remember Liverpool smoking Newcastle at every opportunity. So, yeah, I see Liverpool winning. Tom?
3: It took a late winner, wasn't it, last season when the title was still on the line? They put the same sort of speak at that point, uh, but that's different context. I go, I go for Liverpool to win, perhaps not by as many or as many as we'd like to think, but yeah, I'd still see the thing, still expect them to do it. And Chris,
1: you can see a bit of rotation as far as Liverpool are concerned, and Newcastle obviously have a, have a few injury problems. You can see it being relatively tight, but nevertheless, I will go for Liverpool win.
0: Obviously, great season for Liverpool. Finally, have been title winners. Newcastle, good season really for them. Not in the mix for the relegation, which I'm sure they'd be delighted with, but I'd imagine Liverpool will probably still win that one. So, I think that's just about it. We've wrapped up what promises to be a very dramatic final day of the season. Who's going to make the top four? Who's going to stay in the Premier League? We've had our say. But it's up to the players on the pitch for 90 minutes of dramatic final day action. My thanks to Chris, Harry and Tom. I'm now off to work out how I'm going to watch five games at the same time. Thank you all for listening and we'll catch you soon on Match FM.